This is episode 19 of Roy's Rocket Radio, going out on the 25th of December 2013. So, um, Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you're enjoying your festivities, food, presents, etc. Um, and I thought I'd do another podcast today. Um, I don't know about the wisdom of doing that after such a full and tiring day and my stomach full of Christmas pudding and uh, my roast dinner. Um, I've got a, but I've got a big mug of black coffee in front of me and uh, I thought I'd try and um, put out a, a special Christmas edition. So, uh, there you are. Huzzah! Um, so straight on with the movies Um, so I've seen quite a few movies uh, but there's but I thought I'd start so yeah this movie um, I saw some time back The Clinic um, was made in 2010 Uh, I think I only saw it um, maybe a year ago at the most Um, it's uh, disturbing an original Australian horror movie, um, and actually Sophie Lowe, um, who's the new Alice um, from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, that we'll talk about a bit later, uh, had a part in this. Uh, and I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but um, I, I think it's a highly original film. Um, you get a little clue about what it's about um, right at the beginning, um, but it's, let's just say it's something to do with uh, genetics. Um, we're going to have to leave it at that, that because it's a, a really easy movie to spoil. Um, now, IMDb and a lot of other uh, reviews, uh, sorry, uh, film databases and reviewers have given this film poor marks, uh, but I disagree. I think it's um, one of those unique uh, horrors that um, come out of Australia that the Australians seem uh, unique in, in being able to produce. Uh, uh, has a, there's a, a vague Wolf Creek tone to this, although it's uh, very far from the same subject. Um, but anyway, give that give that a try. So that's the clinic, two thousand and ten. Um, the next film uh, I've seen this far more recently is Computer Chess. Uh, this is a black and white retro nineteen homi- seventies uh, homage. Uh, well, fake nineteen seventies, and uh, it, it's kind of a homage to computer ge- geeks uh, through the medium of this uh, fictional computer chess competition that's taking place um, in some small budget hotel in the middle of nowhere. Um, but there's a smidgen of sci-fi in this, um, and uh, oh yeah, I, I should talk a bit about the uh, competition itself. So the, these are. Uh, computer guys uh, and one lady computer person are at this competition and the idea is they've all programmed uh, written computer programs and they're uh, pitching each computer program that plays chess against each other and, and and see who comes out on top who's written the best chess playing computer program um, uh, yeah, there, there, there's a bit of sci-fi in this, uh, but it's ju- just generally a comedy. Um, 
I did I did enjoy it. Uh, it it's difficult to say whether you'll enjoy this or not. Um, it, it will definitely appeal to uh, the, the more computer geek type person out there. Um, you know what it puts me in mind of um, a documentary called Hackers uh, colon the Wizards of the Electronic Age uh, which was made in 1985 if you get a chance watch that uh, which which again is a bit about a documentary about early computer programmers or um, well when when the computer age started to take off if you like that kind of, uh, kind of retro nostalgic look back uh, right, yeah, so it's worth a watch. Um, oh yeah, the other thing that I found uh, <laughs> that, that I really did like was, um, yeah, that one of the characters uh, is a deranged, gen genuinely funny character called uh, Michael Papageorge, uh, played by uh, an actor called Miles Page. Um, he he really had me rolling. He's this egotistical, pompous, unreliable, um, but entrepreneurial uh, character. Uh, so he's kind of the odd man out. He, he's uh, he's come to the competition on his own, and he's surrounded by a sea of academics. So they're all um, they're all attending in kind of casual clothes, sneakers, t-shirts, that kind of thing. And he's turned up in a suit, uh, looking far more pro professional. But it, it, but that polished outside is is uh, hiding uh, a highly unstable interior. Um, I could just imagine the, the same character, Michael Papageorge, being played by Will Ferrell. Okay, so that's it for movies this week, and on to TV. So yeah, the, the biggest thing is, uh, and it's the thing that I've just watched, was uh, the last episode of uh, Matt Smith's Doctor Who. So that's the end of, I believe, season seven. Uh, and what I can say, I, I found it pretty complicated, but that could be because I was befuddled uh, by the amount of food and drink that I'd consumed and wasn't really thinking straight. Um, I, I said in my notes that may require further viewing, but that for me it's probably essential that I do view it again. Um, it was enjoyable, uh, interesting, um, brought together a lot of the themes that have been going on for, throughout Matt, Matt Smith's residency. Um, the other thing, I, it does feature another um, of his long-lost girlfriends who suddenly popped up, and you wonder how many girlfriends Doctor Who has actually had. But then he's been around for about a thousand years, so one would assume quite a few. Um, the, the guy really is a bit of a James Bond, though, uh, when it comes to the ladies. Um, yeah, so uh, if you're like me, you'll probably end up having to watch this again on iPlayer. Uh, we do see though, and being the last episode, we do finally see um, Peter Capaldi um, appear for the first time, looking uh, pretty confused, which is normal for most regenerations. Uh, so that's something to look forward to in the new year, I suppose. Um, 
Yeah, next. Uh, this is an old one. Um, I mention it because it was something of a shocker, for me anyway. Uh, do you remember the old Highlander TV series that um, came after the, the movies? The one uh, with, I think, Adrian Paul is his name? Uh, playing, uh, this time, uh, Duncan MacLeod. Um, but anyway, they, they're they re-showing these, uh, well, sorry, uh, they're, yeah, they're, there's a rerun of all the episodes uh, over on the uh, horror channel that I get on Freesat, uh, I think it's channel 138. Um, but a couple of weeks ago they happened to play um, a particular episode that <laughs> had my jaw hanging um, and I finally found out uh, what happens to Richie and, um, well, Duncan kills Richie. It's, it's that simple. Uh, there's a reason for this, and Duncan's never quite the same afterwards. But uh, it, it was an amazing shocker. Um, I, I think my, my jaw dropped more than it did when it turned out that um, Gabrielle was going to be seen as a girlfriend. Um, that, that was another surprise. But th this one was far more shocking. Yeah, Richie dead. Um, and I only found that, um, let's see, 1997, so it's three years, ten years, yeah, I only found that out 16 years after the fact. <laughs> um, right, so next, this is a new uh, series, uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Uh, it's just come out in the United States of America. Uh, no, no date on when it will come to the UK yet. Uh, the, the Once Upon a Time is a clue, it's a spin-off of, of Once Upon a Time. Um, and I've written here in my notes, uh, romance, comma, fantasy, comma, adventure. Yeah, there does seem a, a very strong um, element of romance uh, in, in this show. It, it feels a bit different. Um, the, the set of characters so far revealed are quite small, um, so that's a relief with you know, the odd million characters walking around in Once Upon a Time. It's a bit hard to keep track of what's going on. Um, so in this one, uh, Alice is grown up now. Um, she has fallen in love with a genie from Agrabah called Cyrus. Um, Agrabah is a fictional um, city somewhere in the Middle East, I, I would assume, um, kind of a fake Baghdad, um, something from 1001 Tales, 1001 Nights, sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, Alice has grown up, fallen on the genie called Cyrus. Um, and is being helped in her quest to find Cyrus by uh, the Knave of Hearts. Um, the Knave of Hearts is kind of a roguish, uh, British-sounding, well, yeah, played by a British actor character, who um, helps Alice along, um, and used to be the... Uh, uh, boyfriend of the Queen of Hearts, who is a, 
a baddie, as she is in the book, I believe. Uh, John Lithgow also does the voice of the White Rabbit, and Levine Andrews, uh, the guy from Lost, and the whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I don't remember the Buddha of Suburbia. Anyway, Levine Andrews uh, plays uh, the evil Jafar, who's also in this. Uh, and rides a magic carpet, which is pretty cool. Um, he does seem to be, Naveen Andrews does seem to be really relishing his role uh, in, you know, playing an evil uh, role, which isn't that far removed from um, the guy in uh, Lost. Well, let's see. He's playing a guy from the same part of the, the world, I suppose, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he's a lot more evil. Uh, Saeed, that's the guy I was thinking from Lost. Yeah, he's playing a much, much more evil Saeed. Uh, a Saeed who's definitely not going to become a goodie. Um, what I want to know is where's Aladdin? Um, but maybe we'll find out sometime. Uh, so, that's the, that's all I can really tell you about the show. Uh, from the trailers and the wikis and so on because we don't have the show yet and there's no UK air date as I mentioned before um, it does look good though I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone who likes Once Upon a Time will like this um, and it might even draw in more viewers um, who are completely new to the franchise because it uh, feels a lot easier to get into um, okay, and on to comics. Now, I've been reading a few, but the the one I'm going to mention now is Neonomicon, 2010 by Alan Moore. So, the, the, the clues in the title, Neonomicon, rather than Necronomicon, um, so a kind of modern H.P. Lovecraft thingy, um, it's got a skull, uh, Mulder and Scully pair in um, Cthulhu mythos type story. Um, it is quite nasty in places, uh, surprisingly so in fact. Um, and it's definitely not one for the younger, well, for children. Absolutely not for children. Um, <laughs> but if thing is, uh, if you put a, put aside uh, some of the quite nasty bits, um, it is fairly run-of-the-mill. Um, I'm not sure how far I can go into this without spoiling the book for you, but um, like I said, Mulder and Scully, Cthulhu Mythos, uh, Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> that, that's really described the whole thing for you. Um, next games, uh, oh, give me a second, just have some coffee. Okay. Uh, I think 2013 and 14 and so often, there's going to be a revival of retro games. There's a new game that I've been following in, in development at the moment. Um, I think it just passed its kickstarter phase, uh, and this is Hyperlight Drifter. Um, I originally saw this in Edge magazine, um, and 
Googled it and had a look at the Kickstarter and screenshots and the vids, and uh, I just had to talk about it. It's uh, a very beautiful looking game, and what seems to be a compelling story. Um, it, it is a 2D game, but it's not a platformer. Um, it, it's really very reminiscent of uh, Diablo 1's uh, 2.5. Uh, isometric, I think that's what they call it, the uh, view. So 2.5D, it's kind of that tiled look, although it's not tiles. Um, this is using some kind of 2D engine in the background. But, but it's got shadows and things, and the characters don't just jump around platforms. They, they can move in different directions. Um, it's kind of a modern spin on, on on a very retro game. It's got that kind of 8-16-bit uh, look to the graphics. Um, the, the story, as far as I can make out, is that it's set on a world where there is very, very high technology, but it's lost to um, the modern era. So you've got people living in quite primitive conditions, uh, and um, these prospectors walking around trying to dig up uh, the old high-tech for fun and profit, I'm guessing, um, which seems very reminiscent of that uh, series still on, I'm assuming, uh, Defiance, um, and also characters from films like, I think, Hardware it was a film where there was one of the characters was this guy that walks around the desert uh, looking for old buried high tech. Uh, it was called a zone tripper, and I, th as far as I can remember, I even uh, that's a bit of trivia for you. I I think the film was hardware. Hold on a moment. Yeah, I just checked on Google. So yeah, the film is hardware from 1990, and there was uh, a character called the Zone Tripper who walked around the deserts uh, looking for this high tech and digging it up and selling it. Um, played by amazingly Carl McCoy, um, and this film also had Lemmy as a water taxi driver. And uh, now that I'm looking at Wiki, I don't believe it. There's uh, Iggy Pop, and. A whole lot of other people that I've never heard of, but uh, Iggy Pop's in there. That's been quite Iggy Pop, Carl McCoy, and Lemmy. Amazing, all in the same movie. Um, but I've drifted right off from what I was talking about, which was Hyperlight Drifter. So uh, the game should be coming out in 2014. Um, my only reservation is I, I've seen the gameplay trailers and I've got a, I've got a horrible feeling that you need to be quite dexterous to play the game and it's you know it's not one of my skill sets um, it, it and it also it seems to be um, no well it's not setting the tone of games to come but that retro is big at the moment um, there are other retro games around, like um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP, um, but you have to pay for that. And there's also uh, a free game called Mario, so that's M-A-R-I-Zero, um, 
which is a cross between uh, Super Mario, um, you know, the old Nintendo platform game, and Portal, in that um, you know, portals appear and you can zoom from levels to level. Um, it, it looks quite amazing. Um, I recommend that you look that game up. Uh, so that's Mario, M-A-R-I-0, one word. Um, right, on to toys. Uh, just before Christmas, I noticed that on Amazon, uh, the D&D Red Box 4th Edition rules, which is like, um, well, it's basically a small red box with everything that you need to get started with Dungeons & Dragons. Now, I've, I've wanted this thing for ages and ages, but it was so near to Christmas that I decided not to order it, you know, because of all the trouble getting delivery, getting your stuff delivered. Um, it's only £10, but um, obviously I've left it too long because it's again off Amazon. It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. You never know when to get the thing because it's sometimes in stock and sometimes it isn't. Um, really annoying. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll try and get my hands on that sooner or later. Um, I, I like anything that you can use to fire up your imagination because it's kind of good for my writing. Um, Actually, on that subject of writing, I want to back up a bit because I was talking about Hyperlight Drifter. Um, set on a world where uh, there's all this old tech lying around. Now, I've read several science fiction stories with um, similar uh, type scenarios, and in fact, uh, one of my short stories, which is about to be rolled into uh, um, a chapter in a book, um, is exactly uh, about that that kind of thing, which is uh, odd, because I, I you know I thought about it about a year ago, but anyway, um, it's obviously a very attractive trope, combining you know, sci-fi with archaeology, basically. Um, okay. So, back to toys. You know, it's funny, we were talking about portals, but it's like that the, there's a, a portal generator in this podcast. Um, I'm jumping all, over, all around the place. Um, okay. So, like I said, the D&D Red, uh, Red Box sorry, um, is what I'm after. I hope I get it soon, <laughs> as soon as possible. Um... But it's not as if I haven't had Christmas presents. I I had I had uh, the latest Hunger Games books, book. After watching the movie, I, I just couldn't wait. Um, so the movie that's out at the moment is The Hunger Games: Catching Fire, uh, which is the second in the series. Um, I should have talked about it in this podcast. And I'm going to talk about it now because it's so. Uh, wonderful, but I can't really leave it out. So Katniss Everdeen, has, if you remember back from the first Hunger Games, she's won the uh, she won the first one, um, but unusually there was uh, one other survivor. There's usually only one person walks away, uh, which is a bit like Thunderdome. <laughs> if you remember the old movie Thunderdome with Tina Turner. Uh, two men go in, one comes out. Well, anyway, two people did come out. Uh, that was that was Peter, 
Um, so now they've both survived. They've been sent on a kind of uh, vic- victor's tour, which is uh, where the state um, is based in the capital. Uh, sends the victors around to give speeches and kind of uh, big up the state. Um, but things don't quite, quite go as planned and Kat, um, Katniss has become uh, a focal point uh, for dissatisfaction and something that's fermenting into open rebellion. Um, and this doesn't please the president, so he... Um, he decides that there needs to be uh, another game, um, a very special game, where um, all the other previous champions uh, will fight each other. Um, none of the, the, the old victors are particularly happy about this. They thought they'd um, managed to escape with their lives and never have to go through this uh, again. Um, but anyway, we have another um, big competition. Uh, Katniss trains again and, um, and then things happen at the games. I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure how much to tell you about this uh, because the film is still um, being shown and it wouldn't be fair to, to spoil it too much. Um, but my own, my own view of the film was it was, it was really good. Um, I was completely blown away. Uh, I, I, it's funny, I don't really feel that any of the Hunger Games movies are, um, you know, particularly aimed at children. They definitely have that appeal to people of all ages. Uh, yeah, and it's... I suppose now we're at the sh- over the shock of what, what the uh, Hunger Games are uh, from the first movie, or, or if you've read the books. Um, I, I thought I would be over uh, most of the harrowing bits, and, and boy was I wrong. Um, again, it, it doesn't glorify violence, this film, not, not at all, but it doesn't pull any punches e- either. Um, but there's absolutely no doubt that <laughs> that you're in a pretty precarious situation if you're um, taking part in the games or or, or even just um, some person living in this universe. Um, quite disturbing um, and riveting and, and, and really worth a watch at the cinema. Uh, like I said, I, I bought the book, um, so because I'm not really prepared to wait however many years it takes to make the next movie. Um, but yeah, go and see that. Right. So, got one or two more things to chat about, and then it's the end of the podcast. But um, okay, so next, uh, I just had a. But I was pondering the other day um, because I'm I'm always keeping my hand in uh, a bit of programming and scripting, um, but looking looking in the uh, bookshops, I've noticed especially uh, locally um, there's two Waterstones, there's a small one and a giant one, 
and uh, it seems to be uh, largely bereft of computer books. Um, they seem, uh, along with the beast that have mysteriously disappeared, to have um, yeah disappeared into the ether. Um, seems the only way you can get a computer book is to buy it from Amazon, which is uh, a bit sad, really. I like flicking through the books in a bookshop. Um, I'm not sure there is a solution to that. Maybe some new uh, high street book store will will rise and um, you know completely trounce Amazon. But uh, we'll we'll have to see about that. Right. Um, so next, yeah, it, another thing that completely um, went over my head, I completely missed, is uh, Jessup's, um, the camera shop. So Jessup's, the camera shop, had been around for years and years. Uh, I, I used to shop there. Um, my mum used to shop there too, uh, back in the days of uh, physical film, uh, you know, the stuff you developed with chemicals. Um, so we always had a, a bit of a soft spot for the place and then it became digital and then it kind of got went online as well and then they shut the whole lot down you know, it, the business fell apart and I thought that was it and then it turns out that it's actually back um, it's now owned by uh, that Dragon's Den bloke Peter Jones um, it is only digital now, uh, but then it was even even before the closure. Um, it had been digital for a number of years. Now that they, they seem to have converted it into a kind of uh, trendy boutique type shop, they've re-employed about 500 people. Um, and next time in London, I'll probably chop down there and have a look. Um, Okay, uh, next. Uh, yeah, I had a little bit to say about programming. Um, I've been looking for a, a nice scripting language that fits in with um, a big, well-used procedural language out there and also has some kind of bindings or, or engine that you can use for games programming. I think I've found it with Lue. Um, I mean, Lue isn't new. It's about 5,000 uh, lines of C code compiled into this small, very clever interpreter. Um, I think the guy who, who invented the things from Brazil. Anyway, it's not like I said, it's not particularly new. It's used as a scripting engine in many, many games already. Um, but I, I found online something called the Love 2D Project, uh, which is a game, which is a 2D, as it suggests, uh, library for games development using the Lua language. Uh, it's written in C++. Um, and it all seems to fit quite nicely together. Um, so that's what I've been fiddling around with at the moment. Um, although fiddling is too strong a word. Probably tinkering. Because uh, I don't really have that much time with the writing. Um, but yeah, I quite like I quite like the idea of doing a bit of minor retro game games programming. So I recommend that if you want to get into either just a bit of general multi-platform scripting, 
because it's available on uh, Mac OS X, Linux and Windows um, or you and or you just want to try a bit of games simple games programming so that's Lua and Love 2D Love 2D or one word Lua L-U-A uh, just google that and see what you can find um, right next I've written here paper exclamation mark uh, yeah, but the reason for this is I I must have mentioned in a previous blog posting that I'm trying to replace um, or, or I have definitely replaced um, my paper notes that I keep on accumulating like a maniac on, on anything that's paper I've, I've written and the bits scattered around the house it's complete and utter chaos what I tried to do was replace the whole lot uh, by using my iPhone um, and an app called uh, Clear Record, which is what I'm taping this podcast with. Um, that's weird. I, I, I use that retro word, taping. Oh, oh well, recording. Um, yeah, I thought I'd just make lots and lots of voice notes, uh, and I started to do this. But the problem is... Um, once you've made a voice note on your phone, you then need to retrieve it and listen to it in, in a very linear fashion. You know, it's, uh, it's boring and, and long-winded. Whereas if you look at a paper-written note, you can see everything on the paper all at the same time. Uh, providing you haven't <laughs> used lots of sheets, but that you put all your notes on one sheet. Uh, per subject or, or however you arrange it. So, uh, yeah. Paper is impossible to replace with anything else. Mm. So, um, so much for my going paperless. I've ended up with more notes on the back of envelopes and the back of my hand than ever before. So, uh, yeah, get a notepad and a pen and put it in your pocket. Uh, now, Q10. I must have talked about this in the blog before. Um, I keep talking about the blog. I've got a blog called Boldly Voyaging the Multiverse that you can find via RoyMatur.com. So it's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. Um, but yeah, uh, Q10 is a distraction-free writing tool um, for Windows. Um, there's another one called Focus Writer, which will work, which is multi-platform. Uh, some Mac, Win Windows, Linux, um, but I prefer Q10. There's just something about it. Um, it's always got the status bar up, and you can see how how you're doing, your stats, uh, the name of your file, what time it is, how long you've been writing. Um, it just feels a lot more convenient to use uh, if you're on Windows. So look that one up. Q10, uh, distraction-free writing tool. Windows. Uh, give it a go. And uh, my second tip for writer's tools today is an app called, well, an application called TreePad Lite, uh, which is a kind of hierarchical note taker uh, for organizing your text. Um, so, for example, all my stories are in a database called Storyverse. 
um, within which I have several books uh, which are represented as subnodes and sub subnodes and for chapters and so on. So you've what what you're looking at is something like a file manager with uh, the file hierarchy on the left, um, with all the little nodes of your uh, book titles or your and and your chapter titles. And on the right, you've got like an editor view where you can type in your notes. Now, it is an extremely basic text editor. Uh, the status bar tells you almost nothing. Um, and there are no formatting tools whatsoever. So you can type text in and save it, and that's it. Um, given that it's so inflexible, um, you would have thought it, it not something to recommend, but I, I find it incredibly useful. Otherwise, instead of having one database containing all my work, I end up with, you know, 500 uh, Word documents spread all around the computer, and I end up losing them. Um, mind you, I'm saying that, and and. It, even though I have most of my stuff in here, I still do have um, some Word documents spread around that I need to incorporate into this database. Um, yeah, so that's TreePad Lite. There is a Pro version which has much more fancy formatting, formatting options, I believe, uh, but this seems to do for me for now, and it's very lightweight um, and portable. Uh, you can use it on um, a, a thumb drive. So, TruePad Lite. Um, right, so I think that's about it for the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, please enjoy the rest of your Christmas holidays. Um, don't eat too much. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite funny, actually. I, I bought a stupid amount of food for one person. Um, thinking I'd stuff my face, but it's like the third day in and my appetite for chocolate has suddenly diminished. I just think I've overdone it and now I have no desire to eat anything. Um, wouldn't it be ironic if I actually lost weight for Christmas? Uh, well, that's probably not going to happen, is it? So yeah, enjoy the rest of your Christmas holidays. Thank you for listening. Uh, that was the podcast for Christmas Day, the 25th of December 2013. And this was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 19. See you next time.